The whispers started then, as people tried to remember when they had last seen Giulio or Marco. Giulio usually played cards in the bar after dinner. Had anyone seen him last night? Marco had a girlfriend in San Pietro in Volta, but the girl's brother was in the crowd and said she'd gone to the movies on the Lido with her sisters. No one could think of a woman who would be with Giulio Bottin. Someone thought to look in the courtyard beside the Bottin house. Both their cars were there, though the house was dark. A curious reluctance, a kind of delicacy in the face of possibility, kept the people in the crowd from speculating where they might be. Renzo Marolo, who had lived next door for more than thirty years, found the courage to do what no one else was willing to do, and took the spare key from where everyone in the village knew it to be, under the pot of pink geraniums on the windowsill to the right of the front door. Calling ahead of him, he opened the door and stepped into the familiar house. He switched on the lights in the small living room, and, seeing no one there, went and looked in the kitchen, though he couldn't have explained why he did so, as the room was dark and he didn't bother to turn the light on. Then, still calling out the names of the two men in a kind of unmusical voluntary, he went up the single flight of stairs to the upper floor and down the hall to the larger of the two bedrooms. Giulio, it's me, Renzo, he called, paused a moment, then stepped into the bedroom and switched on the light. The bed was empty and unslept in. Unsettled by this, he went across the hall and turned on the light in Marco's room. Here, too, though a pair of jeans and a light sweater lay folded on a chair, both bed and room were empty. Marolo went back downstairs and outside, closing the door quietly behind him and replacing the key. To the waiting people, he said, They aren't here. As a group, somehow comforted by the fact that there were a number of them, They moved back towards the water, where most of the inhabitants of Pelestrina were gathered on the edge of the pier. Some of the boats that had found safety in the deeper water pulled slowly back, taking their accustomed places. When all of them were again moored to the Riva, the single empty space left by the sunken Squalus seemed larger than it had when there had been only the two damaged boats on either side. From the middle of the empty slot... The masts of the squalus poked through the water at a crazy angle. Marolo's son, sixteen-year-old Luciano, came and stood beside his father. Off in the distance a waterfowl cried out. "'Well, Papa?' the boy asked.